Welcome back to your favorite South African true crime podcast. So today's case is going to be very interesting, but before we get started, I would like to warn everyone, especially our more sensitive audience, that this episode does contain child murder. So if you're sensitive to that sort of thing, then you can maybe listen to one of our older episodes. But before we get started, a quick catch-up session on my dad's case. Okay, so as we know um, from the previous episode, that both men were now in custody and we had mentally prepared ourselves for court and, you know, for everything like to officially start the sentencing in particular. So before they had, um, before they could start the sentencing, um, they had to first have like a bail hearing as... At said bail hearing, both Kwanela Mdlageza and his bestie, Tandukolo Seteto, who were the guys who broke in that night, um, were denied bail. To no surprise, since my mom and sister, Simam Gala, was supposed to testify against them. So we actually had started a petition to make sure these guys don't get bail. My parents owned a school, so the students and some of the teachers were all outside the court protesting. And when they had the bail hearing, they were denied. And I was relieved because if they were given bail, then it would mean that my family's lives would be in danger. And everyone at the time was really paranoid. I don't know if paranoid is the right word. So let me rather say um, everyone was suffering from some serious PTSD. Simam would be seeing people following her home from school. My mom was seeing people following her and staring at her. I too had my own PTSD moment. I had someone message me on WhatsApp trying to get me to meet them. And the worst part was that I didn't even know them. So in my head, they probably wanted to murder me, right? (laughs) Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Who knows, right? So when they were denied bail, it was obviously a relief. Now, South Africa is very corrupt. I just don't get this. I don't know why, but... We have zero integrity. Anyone can be bribed and they just don't do their jobs. Now, my family is from Tata, which is in the Eastern Cape, but you have no idea how many times we call the cops. Not once have they ever come. They will always say, oh, we don't have any vehicles. They're all out. Honestly, the police service in Tata is horrendous. So it doesn't come as a surprise when Pekitele's employees let one of my dad's murderers out on bail. So this case has been dragging. I mean, no surprise, it's not Mtata to blame. It's the whole country. So at first, they would say that they didn't have transport to get the accused from prison to court. So it was postponed. Then it was postponed because of load shedding. I think, but like, imagine. Umshallah shame. So after months of the case being postponed, my mom is in court, the detective is MIA, and then we hear for the first time that Tantukola was given bail by accident, and so the case will be postponed further. Now, they gave bail by accident to one of the men who had participated into breaking into my family's home, held my sister to gunpoint, and then shot our father in front of her. The actual disgust and distrust I have for the system is just beyond. The judge who had given him bail was never charged or disciplined in any way. No further investigations were done to see had the judge been bribed or anything, or at least not to our knowledge. Let's just say things got very intense for my family. Back to our case for today. We will be diving head first into the Zintle Maditla case as promised. So Zintle grew up in a poor home and by the time she was 15, she was pregnant with her first baby, Minantle. 
Now, I couldn't find out who Minentle's biological dad was, but when Zintle was just a few months pregnant with baby Minentle, she met the love of her life, William Shongwa. William was older than Zintle, but about two years after Minentle was born, William and Zintle had their first child blessing. So Zintle was 17 and she had had a second child. And this seems to be quite young to be a mother of two. Zintle didn't really have a stable job and she and her babies were totally dependent on William. Despite the young couple's financial issues, Zintle and William had two other children, Shanique and Ethan. From Zintle's Facebook account, it would seem that she had quite the relationship with William. The two seemed to be in one of those toxic ESCOM relationships. One minute they're on and the next they're off. The couple decided to split up or go on a break. But William had left Zintle and the kids. Remember, Zintle had four children and these kids and their mom all stayed in a one-bedroom flat, which is totally insane, right? But I know that this is actually really common in South Africa, especially the rural areas. Mothers have it hard, guys. So Zintle was trying to be the breadwinner for a family. She started a small business. It seemed like it was something like selling Tupperware or um, bed covers. You know the kind of small business I'm talking about. So she's out here trying to hustle at a very young age. She was in her early 20s, around 23 to 24 at the time. So she's still really young. And if we look at her life, she had a really difficult one, coupled by really bad choices. It's just really hectic and one can only imagine the stress she had. So it's now December time and Zintle's kids don't have any Christmas presents from their dad. Zintle was obviously annoyed and angry at at her kid's dad's lack of support. So she decided to catch a taxi and go to his place to confront him. You know, to ask him, like, why is he not supporting his kids? Some background. William didn't feel like he should be the only one supporting the kids. Since not all of them were his. And he wanted Minantle's dad to probably also step up and assist. I can totally understand his frustration. But I feel that he knew that Sinclair was pregnant when he met her. So why does he not want to support the child? This was a buy one get one free deal. Step parents need to understand that when they marry someone with kids. They are also accepting the children. There's always so much drama with stepmoms and stepchildren. I think it's worse when the stepchildren's parents are both alive and still in contact with both parents because, wow, the drama. So Zintle is now on her way to go tell William he needs to support his kids. Like, duh, it's not even something someone needs to be told. He should just know, right? He should just know it. Why do dads need to be reminded? So she gets to his place and when and what she finds literally drives her insane. She gets there and baby daddy has another woman with him. She is obviously like infuriated now because she feels betrayed and here she is battling to feed the kids while baby daddy is out here entertaining his side chick. So Zindla tells William that he will never see her or their children again. So William says that Zintla would often threaten him about, you know, never seeing them again. But he didn't really know exactly what she meant. He probably just thought she meant it in the kind of sense of, I will take our kids and go. And, you know, like, I won't allow you to see them again. Maybe. I don't think he actually knew what she meant. So Zintla leaves William's place. And on her way to, you know, go home, she, passed, she has to go through 
get a taxi so she's at a taxi rank and those of you who catch taxis or caught taxis would know that at the ranks there are those mamas who sell all kinds of small things like fruit and goslows and knickknacks then there are those who have rat poison it's black and it comes like in a small little package so Zinle bought some so she bought what 10 rand she then goes home with the poison she contemplates what she's going to do with it if she has the courage to go through with it or not and finally she makes a decision she prepares her children some food she made minantla and a blessing and shinik bread and acha and she laced the bread with the poison now ethan nearly just 11 months old at the time so he was obviously not able to eat the deathly sandwich so instead she took some of the poison and lo and behold good people she rubbed it on her nipple before breastfeeding ethan zindla claims she took some of the poison herself she said some time had passed and she had even forgotten what she had done so she, which i find disturbing because how can you forget you just poisoned your kids like that's anyway that's when her children start complaining about having a headache so she forgot that it's the poison so she claims she forgot it's the poison so she decided that she is going to go to the shop to go get them some panado she says by this time all the stores had already been closed she went home without any but had been gone a while since she went like from shop to shop looking for an open spaza shop she eventually gets home and discovers that her children are gravely ill so by this time they were dead or dying she then leaves them in the room and goes to sit outside now it's in the evening she's sitting outside i don't know stargazing or whatever she was doing there <sighs> anyway like it baffles me because i just feel that if she had some sort of care or regret she would have tried to take them to hospital instead of just like sitting outside and, like watching the stars i don't know really so she goes outside she's sitting um outside and then one of her friends see her and you know kitty zambamos so she and her friends had a lot of celebrating and drinking to catch up on and zinkler takes a friend up on this offer and uh, you know she is not about to miss out on some true south african december party she instead accepts her friend's offer and they go about hitting the taverns that night she goes on a whole bender and somewhere along the bender she goes home and sees that her children are like really dead she said that they were foaming from the mouth and their bodies were cold so she this is her trying to revive them by the way she takes a towel she wipes their mouths and she took a blanket and she wrapped their cold bodies in the blanket probably trying to heat them up i don't know how she thought that would bring them back from the dead or how it's even regarded as reviving but i guess it shows a little bit of remorse i don't know and then um she claims that she sat with her children for hours so now i'm not sure why she did this but She tried I think she tried to pin the crime on William. Or she wanted him to find the bodies. Maybe she's just overwhelmed by the guilt, but she calls William and tells him that she has gone to Johannesburg to see her father and that she has left the children locked up in a room alone and that he needs to go to a place and open for them. And also just check up on them, make sure that they're okay. But William doesn't even do this. So now it's about 3 4 days have passed the kids bodies are still in the room. So, you know, it says a lot firstly about the type of support 
Zindler received from baby daddy. So now before going on another bender this time, the neighbor starts noticing a smell coming from the place. So and you know it's December in South Africa, it gets very hot. So her neighbors call her and tell her that there's something wrong, like girl and she tells them that there is probably something wrong with her fridge and that she had some meat in it which was probably rotting. Now the neighbors can't handle the smell no longer. They're like, mm-mm. So probably just a nosy neighbor. They call her family to get the door open so that they can find the source of the smell. At this time, Zindler had decided to end her life for the second time, so she tries to drug herself with the same poison she fed to her kids. Her family arrive and they finally get the door open and to their horror, they find Sinclair's baby's rotting cadavers. They probably didn't call the they probably didn't call Sinclair to tell her what they had found in the room. She then handed herself over to the police. By this time, the police were already alerted about the bodies found in the room. The police began questioning her. The detective, doing the questioning, noticed something off about Zinkler's behavior. She was swaying in her seat and seemed to be falling off to sleep during her interrogation. The detectives obviously noticed that there were no wounds on the children and that the probable cause of death was poisoning, so they got really suspicious when they saw how Zinkler was acting during her questioning. The police then rushed her to the hospital and her stomach was pumped. She survived her ordeal, but unfortunately, the court was not on her side. Or rather, fortunately, the court was not on her side. Zinkler was given a harsh but fair sentencing. She received four life sentences, one for each kid. So she will probably be spending the majority of her life in prison. This case really made me sad. These poor children lost their lives because of jealousy and, quite frankly, immaturity. 15-year-olds should not be getting children. It's just a hazard. These kids make a mistake, then they end up spending the rest of their lives suffering and paying for it, and their children who are innocent end up paying for the crimes of their parents. These children paid for their parents' insecurity, both financial insecurity and emotional insecurities, which is heartbreaking. I feel so bad for their mother, Zinclair. She had a tough life, fueled by really bad choices. She was not ready for a child, and I firmly believe that there are no teens who could ever be ready for a child. 16 to 19, you are not in a stable job. You have no income, you know, and if you do have an income, it's not enough to support the needs of a child. Teens are still finding themselves and learning to grow and develop positively in their environments. And it's not a good time for them to be raising a child. I mean, you are being raised. How can you still raise someone? <laughs> Honestly, we need a solution to, the, to South Africa's teen pregnancies. I think we just have to face facts and not be afraid to talk about teens having sex when in fact... We are afraid to talk about them having sex while they are busy making babies that no one can support. I think we need to provide these children with contraception because they're not going to abstain. They're not going to abstain. And I get the whole case about, okay, if you put a teen on contraception, what about AIDS? They're still not using any protection, hence they're getting pregnant. I don't know, we have to just figure something out. So let me know what you think. Should schools have nurse visits that give students contraception? What are your opinions? You know I love hearing your opinions. So don't forget to leave a comment and follow us on Instagram at True Crime Chronicles South Africa. Our next episode is a blast from the past. We are talking about Stuart 
Vulcan, a South African serial killer. So stay tuned. For updates on upcoming cases, visit our Instagram account at True Crime Chronicles South Africa. And until our next episode, bye.